Guys, what do we call it? It's a little bar train. We're back. We got the three boys together again. And we're going to do things a little bit differently. Before we go into that, how are my boys doing? It's been a while. It feels good to be back. You know, it's kind of like that old chair. You see it in the corner of the room and you're always like, I, I, I should go sit in that chair. And then you sit in it and you're like, God, why haven't I sat in this chair in so long? Yeah, I'm like really high up. I'm like really high up right now. There's so many chairs in this room. Good to be back. Going strong to quite strong. Yeah, not a big chair guy over there. <laughs> no, hey. I'm actually no, I'm standing sta- desk. He's a standing desk. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Yeah. Hey, Serm. Standing uh, desk. Serm, before yeah. we jump in here, do you want to give the uh, our faithful listeners a little context about what you're talking on right now? Yeah, I'm on some, uh, some air- new AirPods. Feeling good about it. <laughs> Sir, for all you guys out there, Serm's been having some serious technical difficulties this past. We're supposed to start at eight. It's eight fifty-three p.m. right now, Pacific time. Eleven ten fifty-three, uh, Chicago time for Serm. So Serm's grinding, and we are talking to him on his phone right now because he couldn't get his his computer set up to work. So, two thousand eleven MacBook has finally caught up to me. Yeah, not compatible with some of the latest softwares. He's trying to uh, he's trying to dial in from a Microsoft Zune uh, for uh, utilizing a coffee bean Wi-Fi. So good to okay. see you. Glad you made it. I, I tried to get on my work computer and it. What is that? A it's firewall. It's fi- firewall to the max. A lot of <laughs> a lot of firewall won't so, allow uh-huh. the, the podcast software. A lot of firewall. Lexus Nexus. That's how you backdoor that bitch. I'll well, just never forget well, the day that Serm Serm tried to get me. Tried to convince me that it's okay for him to walk into a Starbucks and record a podcast. I'm like, hey, you know, I don't know, uh, I don't know about the Starbucks you hey, go you into, sir, but where I go, they tend to be a bit noisy. So, well, you know what, you gotta grind. You gotta grind. That's He's what grinding. we do on the part train. Case in case you forgot. Well, speaking of grinding, first of all, we should say huge congrats to our boy Keith Mitchell last week. Yes. Wow. Yes. We had I him mean, on a year ago as a rookie. He got his first win. He promised that he'd come on um after his first win. That's in the works, so that'll happen soon. But huge congrats to our boy Keith. Um but before we amazing. dive in, uh this is a bit of a different type of episode. You know, we're here to grow, we're here to reinvent and and continue um to do things differently. And so this is our new mini series called chipping away. And this version is all about what we call the golf addiction epidemic. Okay. We're going to unpack some things about the game, why it's addicting. What's, what does that look like? Like why, why is it such a full encompassing sport? What makes golf different than other sports? Once you get bit by the bug, can you kick it? Um, are we actually better off as golfers or are we actually doing ourselves a disservice? Like let's have a beginner's mindset and think about that for a second. We're going to, we're going to get, we got some drinks. We've already had a few and we're just going to open up. This is unscripted. This is an open inquisitive conversation. Are you guys ready? Off the cuff, off the cuff, off the cuff. Yeah, this is full authenticity, really unpacking some, uh, you know, some things about a game that we all love. What could be better? Waiting for the answer. Or hate, you know? Oh, oh. okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Some foreshadowing there. Okay. Well, why don't okay. we just go ahead and dive in? I mean, we'll have a fun segment <laughs> in the middle, but why don't we just lead off with the question of the hour? Why is 
golf addicting? Like, what are the things that makes golf an addiction versus other things in our lives? I mean, how much time you got? <laughs> we got as much time as you want. This is our platform. We can do whatever the hell we want. You know, it's a bizarre sport. Uh, I'll give you a brief background on myself. Mm. My dad and grandfather were obsessed with the sport. Watched it every weekend. I couldn't stand that it was always on the TV. I played when I was young and I was pretty good. And then all of a sudden I developed a slice that I couldn't cure and I gave it up for about 15 years. Uh, <laughs> God. Yeah. Well, it's tough to watch when you see that slice every time. Straight. I mean, uh, was it a like slice or like straight on block slice? No, we're talking like uh, violent curvature oh. to the right. Oh, wow. So we're yeah. talking like 80 couldn't, yard slices. Couldn't, okay. turn the, couldn't square the club face kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that shows up with a right-angled club face and is still slicing the ball? Like, we tried everything. However, the internet showed up. Uh, YouTube showed up, you know? I started to do some research. I started to dig in, and I started to fix it. And much like a lot of sports, you know, I think surfing is one that comes to mind, at least for me. Um, maybe, maybe that first time that you figured out how to snowboard. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe the first time that you... Uh, I don't know, hit a home run first time that you scored a hat trick in hockey. There's that epiphany moment that you have where all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, this is this is what it's all about. And much like a drug, you find yourself trying to find that moment consistently. And at least with golf, you can get it. You get it at least once or twice a round. I mean, even if you have an absolute shit round and God knows we've had we've all had some shit rounds. There's always that one shot where you're like, God fucking damn it. I'm going to be back tomorrow working on whatever it was, trying to keep, trying to find that one shot. I think that's a lot of what it is, is just trying to chase that dragon, trying to just get because you, you always think to yourself, I mean, how, how often do you play around? You get home and all you're thinking about is, man, if I had just done this, if I just switched this, maybe maybe this is the move that I need to try to fix it. And it's just like this nonstop cycle of thinking that you figured it out. And then you kind of feel like you almost did, but you never really do. And then you see the guys that are best in the world and they're doing the same thing. And you're like, all right, well, maybe we're not all that different. And it's just, it's a cycle. It repeats itself. Well, you know, I just thought of this just now as you were talking, Strat. Why do we care? Why do we care so much? Like, why do we go home thinking about it? Why do I sit by my desk and think about a new position or a new move that I can't wait to go try and why am I thinking about what I did wrong like what is it that makes us care so much it's just so damn hard like no no one is good at this like Tiger is the best yeah. in the world and look what he's done like you you see the best athletes in the world you know like you see Aaron Rodgers you see you know you, uh fucking Tony Romo these guys are top <laughs> top class elite athletes and even right. they look like complete fools. Like you've yeah. got guys that are coming Great. from everything. And Great I mean, announcer. maybe the best I've ever seen. Maybe. I mean, the guys, you know, his, he's the Miss Cleo <laughs> of, of his generation. But, you know, you've got guys that are pure athletes and, and they can't figure it out. And it, it, it's just like, you know, like it, it is a game that beguiles the best of us. Well, the, I mean, who's playing other sports right now at this point of their life or I guess in our previous lives when we were younger? Is there a sport where you would come home after your performance and think so much about the intricacies and the mechanics and how it affected your result? I don't know if there is because no. everything's so team-oriented team or reaction-oriented, Yeah, right? 
reactionary. That's a great point. I think that might be a big differentiator is the reactionary sport versus the, I guess you would call it proactive for golf. Like oh, tennis but... is a tennis is an individual sport, but you're reacting to your opponent. Hmm. Yeah. You know, and golf just has so many, I mean, come on, like there's between the mental side and the physical side, there's just so much to it. You come after, you come home after a round. Are we thinking more? We're not thinking about those good shots. We're thinking about those bad shots. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's part of the addiction of overcoming. Like you said, you're, you're chasing perfection and that's just, it's like you're chasing something that doesn't exist. It's like, you know, it's kind of like insanity, right? Like you just keep doing the same thing. And a lot of times you're doing the same thing over and over. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, it's, it's a lot like trying to log on to Skype from a dated computer oh. over and over and over. It's a good point. Expecting, expecting that login process to be seamless. And it's just not going to be that way. You know? Yeah. A, I, yeah. I think I did have a nice run there about. You did. You're chasing it. So probably not, not the best, best analogy, but <laughs> continue. Yeah. Think about this. How, how many times. And this is this has got to be across the board. You talk to somebody, you can either you either know them for the for your entire life, or you've just met them. You figure out that they're a golfer. You hit them up and you say, "Hey, how, you know, oh, you golf? Oh yeah. What do you normally shoot? Oh, I shoot a I shoot in the eighties. Oh yeah. When'd you last play? Oh, I played last weekend. How'd you shoot? And that guy will tell you if you let him every fucking shot that he hit from his round, and it could have been two weeks ago. Like what else? What other sport elicits that type of insane? type of memory recall and you know emotional association with the most minute aspects of the game so before we get too into that and and i'll jump in here what is there a sport that 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 creates that react kind of reaction from people i I think i think strat was right on with surfing I think surfing. Yeah, uh, yeah guys, here we go. Well, I think well, fishing and surfing. I think are very similar. I was gonna say I've got a lot of buddies that have taken up fishing, and they have a level of insane commitment that I uh, I sympathize with. There's something. There's something about being in the outdoors, having to almost detach <sighs> about what the things you can control, and sometimes the fish bite. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes the waves are great. Sometimes they aren't. I'm not. I'm not following it. You're not a big surfing guy, clearly. No, no, no. I mean, if the waves aren't there, or if the fish aren't biting, biting, that's that's just that's that's part of the sport, right? Well, in golf, it's got nothing to do with the course. It's all about you. Well, I guess what I'm saying is sometimes it's not there, and you're just happy to be out there. And I think that's the same way with golf. With sometimes your game's not there. Or you're not necessarily shooting the way you want. But at the end of the day, the happiest golfers are just, if you want to be a happy golfer on the course, you just got to be happy to be out there. And usually, the funny thing about that is, when you care the least about the result, and you're just happy to be there, that's usually the time that you get the best results. And so, Mm -hmm. I think there's something about the parallel between it takes a long time. You're just happy to be out there. You're with nature. And I mean, for me, I remember I always wanted to play golf, but I played baseball early on and I kind of deprived myself of it. But I remember for me that the the pressure of of my friends and like 
being sick of being bad at something. You know, like no, there's no, I think part of what makes it addicting in my opinion is there's no one that wakes up and is a really good golfer. Like yeah. maybe that's Tiger a, Woods, but like even, no, no, no. even the tour pros when they were born shanked and sculled and duffed shots, like they got to it a lot quicker than we did. But I think there's this understanding when you meet a golfer where it's like, you've been through, you've been through the ringer just like I have. Interesting. I mean, you and I were kind of chatting about it in the Google doc earlier today. Like, so like, I'm like you guys, like golf is part of my life. When I was like three years old. I have three brothers. We all grew up playing together. Seriously. We all played in college. So I never really got bit by golf later in life. Like I got some bug or some moment where I was addicted. It was just like always part of my DNA. Golf is so hard from a mental and physical standpoint. I became like, a, you just become addicted to the process and addicted to range time and drills and short game and sports psychology. And like, because there's so much to it, like it's addicting and it's, it's so actually very overwhelming and it kind of get, it'll get the worst out of you when you get so, because there's so many areas to always improve. So as a competitive player who played throughout grade school and high school and into college, it's a, it's a different perspective, but I was just like totally addicted to every asset of the game to try every, every aspect to try to get better, you know, and you guys are now too, but it kind of, there was a moment where you got a bug where I, it was a different, it was very different for me. Very different for me. Well, that's an interesting point. We're going to talk about it later, but I think we should just talk about it now. Like there's this point and Eric Lang talked about this on his show a few weeks ago where it's like a lot of people's goals are like, I want to be scratch. And I think it's an interesting question to ask. Does being a scratch golfer make the game less enjoyable? Evan Stratton, you guys want to be scratch golfers? Do you want to reach kind of that, that pinnacle in some sense for amateur golfers? Sure you do. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, yes. And yes. Then, <laughs> golf only gets more enjoyable the better you play it. Obviously, then your expectations change a little bit, you know, but I, I think everybody, anybody who takes golf seriously and puts the time into it, not the guys that just go out, you know, once every couple of weeks and have beers with their buddies, and that's great too, but like, you absolutely, because then you become <laughs> way more confident, way more marketable. Everybody wants to play with you. You know, whether that's in business or tournaments or things like that. I mean, you drive yourselves nuts to play this game to begin with. Why? You, yes, you want to become a scratch copper. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, has anyone ever uh, been called <laughs> the guy? Like, you, you get paired up and a buddy of yours is like, oh, yeah, don't worry. My buddy Tad is showing up. He's a scratch golfer. And you're like, fucking tad like <laughs> you think to yourself this motherfucker like I want to be tad. I want to be the guy that gets introduced right. this dude is a fucking stick you know like i don't want to be the guy that's like ah, i mean he's uh he gets yeah. around the course all right like i don't want to be mean, that every, guy i mean people want to play with you you know what i mean and if you if you guys don't want to become scratch golfers and you work in the way you guys work at your game you might want to find something else <laughs> or you're working too hard you're working way too hard at it <laughs> you guys are doing everything to try to become scratch golfers Okay, easy, easy, bro. I mean, I'm out there grinding. I'm doing the best I can. All right. No, and you guys are single digit great, like great players. I mean, what, what's the set? like? It was a 95 percent of people in America can't break 100. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, I mean so what? Ev, what do you think? You pose the question. I think, yes, you absolutely do. If you're somebody who looks at golf where you do practice and you work hard at it. Think, I mean, let me ask this, because we've been doing a lot of association. Is there any <laughs> sport where almost everyone is bad at it? I mean, like, no one is... Uh, Ooh, that's interesting. You know, because, like, what's the metric for success in every other sport? Let's say it's uh, you're playing a softball. You're in a softball league. Well, you're going to probably, if you're on a decent team, you're going to win decent, You're going to win more games than you lose. And even if you don't, you probably still played well during the game if you're a good player. Uh, pick up basketball, same thing. Um, fucking tennis, you know, same thing. Unless you're just completely atrocious, then you probably give it up. But for the most part... You know, Serm, you kind of mentioned it earlier. Even if you have a great round, you're still thinking of the things that you gave away because you're trying to get to that point. I mean, like, look at the pros. Even if they shoot a 62, they're happy, but they're thinking, fuck, I, you know, that 59 was close, you know? So, you know, it's just this, the, the perfect performance, who knows if it even exists. I mean, even some of Tiger's most memorable performances are riddled with with just horrific shots that he has to overcome and, and come back from. And maybe that's, maybe that's the allure of it too, of it as well as coming back from those terrible shots. I mean, fig jam is the king of this guy can't hit a fucking fairway to save his life, but the guy wins consistently. It's just that mental fortitude to, to not give up and to have the creativity. And, you know, I think a lot of it too, is it's, it is such a personal game because the way that you are, is the way that you play so much, you know, like I, I get shit from everybody for getting fired up and pissed on the course, but you know, that's, that's part of my personality and I got a fire personality and, uh, you know, but you, but you end up snapping back and like, I mean, God, we play with our buddy, Kim, he's the most mellow dude of all time. He's got one of the most (laughs) mellow swings that you'll ever see in your entire life. No swing speed. (laughs) but it's just it really is you play the way that you are i mean i don't think i've ever met anyone where i've thought oh this guy you know who i i've seen him on the golf course and thought well i don't know who this person is at all like it's pretty it it will lay forth the person you are whether you like it or not i think that's a great point because you think about other sports most other sports are you're decent right you know but I think golf is the only thing where there is the constant possibility of absolute social obliteration and embarrassment. Like there is, there is nothing. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about our show is like one of our visions in my mind is the fact that like there is no other game where Justin Timberlake and Barack Obama can be just as nervous as us on the first tee with just a group that maybe you haven't played with before or a few people on the sides, right? Because there is, we've, it's like this, this weird thing where the demons are always there and we've all had the terrible shank or the shot, but we've also all had the miraculous shot when you needed it most. So it's this weird allure that I don't think any other game has. Let me ask this question to both of you guys who both grew up playing sports, good athletes in multiple sports. And you pick up golf later or you kind of you, you played it and you picked it up. And you're like, not, you're not good at it because it's so hard. Is the fact that you guys know that you're good. A lot of times good athletes can't figure golf out. I mean, you want to talk like it, it makes them so mad. Is that part of the 
the push or was it part of the push for you guys? Cause I've seen that hundred percent people. And it's like, wait a minute, I can do, I was a good football player. I can play tennis. I can play great hand-eye coordination and ping pong, whatever, whatever the sport is, right. Surfing. And I can't do this. So I, I'm going to do this because I love it. Go ahead. That's, that's exactly what it was. When I got back into it later in life, it was because my buddy started playing and I was, I'd never, you know, there was never a sport or a physical activity that I couldn't watch and figure out with enough effort that I put into it. I could always get proficient and be better than most of the people I played against. But then I started sure. playing golf and I was like, this is bullshit. I'm not going to let <laughs> my buddies who I can kick their asses and almost Whoa. everything else be better than me at this fucking game. So I'm going to dig in and figure out what the fuck's going on here. And, and get of these losers beating me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, honestly, not too this far. This guy didn't even make the freshman basketball team. Exactly. I mean, the guy runs a 12-minute mile. <laughs> he's got no flexibility, and he's <laughs> But that was honestly a big part. I mean, that's that, that that's a window into my soul. But it was a big pride thing. I was thinking to myself, if I can be good at so many other sports, what the fuck is it about this goddamn thing? That's And, and then, you know, to your point earlier, like, I want to be – we all want to be that guy that shows up to the golf course and you see on the range, you're like, damn, this guy's got a great swing, gets out there and just makes it look effortless. Like everyone yeah. wants to be that guy, right. you know? And it's like you you get close to that. You think you figure it out. As soon as you get a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of uh, balls on you that you just get humbled immediately. I mean, look, I mean, the best players in the world. Look, it happens to everybody. It's, it's the most insane sport. Let's talk about... Uh expectations for a second because i've noticed and and this is overall like you could say expectations and also focus on score where this has happened to me multiple times where i've got maybe my rider cup trip coming up and maybe i get a brand new glove and i get a couple new shirts and i'm like feeling really good about my game and i'm and i'm i got a really high expectations and this is going to be the time where i play my best and no joke, each time I'd go to the range and I'd, I'd almost like hosel a few. And then suddenly panic which is, which overtakes is my body. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And this happens almost every time that I have really high expectations. And then, this is funny, Strat and I have talked about this, where we'll play at Westchester in LA on Friday mornings before work, which is an 18-hole executive course. That what, What's the par, like 64? I think it's 62. 62. And um, we play in a men's league. And we have a tournament every month. And one wow. month, I told myself, you know what? I'm going to play this tournament like it's Westchester. Because I noticed that every time we play Westchester on Friday mornings, we barely even keep score. But I noticed every time Stratton and I play it, we usually shoot like anywhere from two to four over par. I yep. mean, that's the 60s. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, we're shooting in the 60s and I told myself, I'm like, all right, let's just act like this is Westchester. I'm not going to give a shit about that. It's a tournament. I'm not going to care at all. And I'm just going to play. I'm going to have no I'm basically going with the mentality that wherever the ball goes, I'm okay with it because, hey, it's a fun opportunity. As cheesy as it sounds, it's a fun opportunity to try and like make par from there because we're the par train. And I'm going to try and, and grind and, like, recover from anywhere. And whatever the shot, what, whether it's behind and, a bush what, or a tree. And, and, what, <laughs> and what happened, Dad, when you do this? I won the tournament. <laughs> I got the belt, okay? 
and Strat's <laughs> one, and like we've talked about this m- many times before. Strat and I both meditate. We can go into that. Like that is another element of the game that I find really encouraging. That like my Whoa. mental approach is directly correlated with my performance every time I play the game. Well, this you're bringing up a, well, you're right. Obviously, I mean you hear that from anybody. Like when you're not caring as much, or you're just just not worried about the outcome, your best golf comes. Let me ask you guys both this: When I was playing my best golf, some people were like there's a certain kind of people that just don't care, right? They really keep it as simple as possible, don't think about anything, and just swing it and they play well. For me, I played my best golf. I had to think a little more, but I was like, so I was. So just caught up in my pre-shot routine. Mm. All I did was think about my pre-shot routine, my alignment, and what kind of shot I wanted to hit. Mm. Like I was, so it was like, it's almost like a hyper-focus, but I'm not, it was just, you know, walking the same speed, breathing the same, just doing the same thing over and over. Um, as opposed to like, so it's not really a carefree attitude where some guys do that and they play great. It's kind of like, I've kind of got a hyper-focus, but I'm not thinking. Well, about, sir, my thing know, what we're talking about here is, uh, as as any athlete who plays sports knows, what you're always looking for is uh, is the zone, and what you're describing sounds like the zone. But get into that yeah. moment where you're literally you're not thinking; all you're focusing on is your results and what you want to do, and your body is completely in tune with your mind, and you think, "I want to move this way," and your body almost does it before you do it. And I remember reading an article once an interview with Jack Nicholas where he was talking about how they asked him, you know, how often were you in the zone? And he said, and I've never heard anything like this in my fucking life. And it blew me away. But he said, without trying, I probably got into the zone, you know, once or twice a year, but I would force myself to get into the zone at least 10 times a year in tournaments. And I have to this day, never heard of anybody who can, who has said that they've been able to force themselves and honestly, yeah. he needs to fucking teach that class because that, at least for me, that the times that I've played the best have been the times where I've been in, in, in the zone. And to your point, Serm, th- like I think, okay, I see what I have here in front of me. This is the shot I want to hit. And then I hit the shot. And that is the most addicting thing in the world to me is when all of a sudden it all links up mm. and all of your work and all of your creativity and your focus and the way you think through a course it just starts to to flow. And to think that uh, that Jackie boy was able to force himself <laughs> to get into oh, that Jackie, is, I, I Jackie, can't Jackie even boy. believe that. Jackie I mean, boy. Well, I mean well, walking the same speed, literally making sure your pre-shot routine is the same every single time. Breathing and visualizing the shot, like, that's a lot of work. That's tiring. That's golf is so hard. It's so easy to get out of a routine. Right, you hit a bad shot, you get flustered. The wind comes up. You know, the minute you get out of it, the minute you hit that shot, you don't want to hit. You know? How many times have you hit a bad shot, and as soon as you hit it, you think to yourself, "I know exactly why I hit that bad shot. I, I, I missed this thing and this thing. Why did I do that? I had a complete and, mental break." And then, and then you didn't commit, right? Yeah, I was always, I was always told it's better to commit to the wrong shot than not commit at all, and it yeah. makes total sense. You know what I mean? Because yeah. then you can sleep at night, right? You know, I picked the wrong shot, but at least I tried it, right? Instead of, oh, you know, you take, it, take it to the back of your swing, then you, then you go, oh, no, this is not right, and you pull out of it, right? <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. It's cliche, but I'll bring it up. Think about 
your life and think about a round of golf. If you are going through your life and every shot you hit, you are fucking scared of, God, well, if I, I can't hit it left because of the water. If I hit it right, there's that bunker. And God, if I hit it bad, yeah, it I'm going to be in front of every my... Time. Gonna be in front of my friends, and it's embarrassing, and like oh, that's nowhere yeah, to that's, that's nowhere to live, and that's nowhere to play. And so, it there's this level of um, if you can achieve this level of freedom and detachment from what you're trying to do, I think Sermon, you both talked about it. You guys really, when you play your best, you focus on your process, and I'm the same way. And you yeah. hear every pro, and pro athlete not even golfer talk about this it's all about process versus the results and there's there's something really special about about that and to me like i once read this um this book called zen golf and it made this really good point and it said just do me a favor don't judge it but just like do an exercise the next time you play or the next time you play do a little tally on the top of your scorecard where you say something negative about yourself or the game. And I guarantee you, it's over 18 times. I bet you you say something negative almost every hole. And the more that you become aware of that, what I found is naturally that number decreases just by raising your awareness, not even trying to decrease it. And then suddenly, you kind of change your mentality as you play of like, you know what? I play this game, even, even us, I know Serm's not this because he's living in Chicago, but Strat and I in LA, if we're lucky, we play it once a week. Even once a week with no practice, and we probably don't even warm up before we play, think about the number of mistakes that a pro makes. And then think about the number of mistakes that we're going to play. Like, give ourselves a break and, like, stop being so hard on ourselves. And suddenly, the whole energy of the round changes. And suddenly, we're cracking jokes. We're having a great time. Hispanic Miley Cyrus at um in Long Beach oh, is great. She's great cool. bloody Marys. She's cranking out those bloodies. <laughs> Extra spicy okay. bloody Marys. And suddenly we're both shooting, you know, seventy fives. Just because so, like I'm so fascinated by that. That suddenly yeah. just by our mentality we're able to to execute at a level that we weren't before. And it's it's all about that zone. And to me, there's nothing more gratifying than being in the zone for four hours. Well, it, it, it's as simple as this. Like, what if you said to yourself for your round, my goal today, I've got one goal, and it's to commit to every shot. Commit. Just yeah. like what we just talked about. Just commit. And then you play 18 holes, you shoot what you shoot, you look back, you look at every shot you committed, and which are the ones you decommitted to, right? And it's really a great goal because that, that's all you think about. Like you said, you picked the wrong club. Maybe you misjudged the win. Wrong yardage. But you, you, you went after it. Your round's going to be a lot better than, you know, you know, a round that's when you're thinking about mechanics, all these things. So, well, you write it on your glove. I used to write it on my, like, you write it on your glove or, you know, just the word commit. You know? You're like, writing stuff on your glove? Oh, oh yeah. You, LeBron James? You're writing on your sneakers now? You're using a Sharpie? Well, you... I don't ever bring him up because that's a sad story. What's going on with LA basketball right now? I agree. But, um, I agree. <laughs> oh. but, but think about you. I mean, golf, there's no, there's a million tricks in the bag in golf, right? There's no. But what's going to remind you? Tell me more. Okay. 
<laughs> What's going on? Right on, right on your yard. What are the tricks? Right, you know, right on your glove. Right well, on your ball. And, and I think a theme that's popping up here, which is, and you hear this all the time. I mean, I'm sure we've all, sir, you probably know more than Evan and I do, but we all know the guy that was an incredible golfer and, you know, kind of knocked on the door, either played mini tours or, you know, actually went out and tried to qualify on Mondays whatever it was, and they just don't have it. And you play with them on the weekends and you think, Jesus Christ, this dude can shoot under par pretty consistently, right. complete confidence. You know, I, I rarely see him not hit a fairway, but what is that big differentiator between these guys who have the skill and the guys that are winning on tours? And it's that mental attitude. I mean, we've got a buddy who's player with Xander Shoffley, and he, one of the sure. coolest things that we ever heard was, you know, this guy, he says, oh, he was like the coolest guy ever, but, you know, he was just, Nothing ever rattled him, you know? He was just, yeah. he was steady. He was, you know, he wasn't a fucking head case. And, he and plays this buddy, with, he plays within him. Within yeah. Too, and, right? our, and our buddy was told us, he's like, he admit, admittedly, he's like, I just didn't have the mental fortitude for it. I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't get into those tournament situations and remain, you know, uh, just cognizant of the moment. You know, it, it, it got the best of him. And who hasn't been on the first yeah. tee when you're with your buddies or when you've got groups behind you waiting? and started to feel your heart beating in your hands as you're holding on to that driver trying to hit the middle of the fairway when you've only got 20 people watching you, let alone a million dollars on the line. Shout out to our boy, Keith Mitchell. Well, mm, sure. well, to, well I mean, whoever, whoever the guy you're talking about, Strat, he, he clearly has done it and can do it, but he, it's just doing it every week. Yeah, imagine know? how draining every, that is. It is. It's awesome mental <laughs> I mean, I was burned out after college golf, and I and I didn't play in the mini tours. I mean, I was a good player, but I did. But <laughs> and you see why? And there's so many good players out there, as you guys know, in this world that just never amount to anything in terms of fame, right? And why is that, right? Related, and it's a lot of it is what you're talking about, Strat. The perfect example is Sir Mac and I's mutual best friend. I mean, we've joked about it before, but our boy Ryan. He and Scott Langley, who's a PGA Tour pro right now, were the number one and two ranked players in Missouri for most of their amateur career. Yeah. Ryan yeah. went to Missouri State with Cermak. Langley went to Illinois. And Ryan didn't have the greatest college career. Um, and Langley won the national championship. And that's, to me, it's, it's fascinating to understand the difference. And obviously, there's some physical, physical stuff to it. But, you know... At the end of well, at the I end mean, of the day, like they both had the tools. Well, Langley is such a grinder. He, I mean, I mean, he hits it well, but like, but right. he doesn't try to be somebody he's not. You don't see Scott Langley, you know, trying to keep up with Dustin or keep up with. He hits it low. He sticks to his plan. I mean, it's kind of like the Luke Donalds, or you know, stay within yourself, and it's amazing what you can be, but. It's hard too now you talk about that level where these guys a lot of guys hit so long, you know. But Langley believes in his process better than anybody because he has some physical constraints, you know? It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know I don't know if you guys do, but I don't really know a really good golfer that's not successful in life. And it kind of goes back to this question we had listed out if we had time, which is this parallel between golf and life and you know, if it is the struggle of trying to to play this game, is it a good thing for us or is it 
there's actually a detriment because you know i mean it's expensive it takes a lot of our time and it's a passion but i don't i don't know if someone that's good at golf that has that level of mental discipline if it's possible for them to be not a success overall in life Here's one thing I'll say. I'm not sure about the second part of your question because it's tough. That's a tough one to answer. However, this is something I just thought of. Every week, and Evan, like you mentioned, we typically play once a week, sometimes more if we're lucky. But I will book that tea time, be having a completely shit week all day, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And if I'm playing on <laughs> Sunday, just getting hammered, just getting, just getting hammered, getting locked, okay? <laughs> Just getting drilled. And I won't be able to, I, you know, I got two kids under, under four. I'm exhausted. You know, I'm, I'm beat. I'm tired. I wake up. Sir Max got a dog. Sir Max, he's he's got a dog. He's got terrible internet. God knows what that does to a guy's constitution. He's living in a polar vortex. (laughs) But I'll be damned if I can't get to sleep the night before my round and I wake up 30 minutes before my alarm goes off at five in the morning because I'm so fucking excited to go out and have the opportunity to maybe have that round that I'm working towards every single time I'm at the driving range. And I, and the amount of times that I've had just a breakdown round where I, you know, you're off the rails, nothing works. And I've literally told myself as I'm walking to the next hold, I'm taking I'm taking six months off. I can't do this, man. This is this is killing me. You know, I'm well, putting so much it. time in, and it's not paying yeah. off. And not sure, yeah, six months. I've had them. <laughs> I've run the gamut. And then, yeah, wouldn't you know it? Monday rolls around. I take a day off. All of a sudden, I see something that gets sparks my interest. I think, oh, maybe that's the move. And then I'm <laughs> well, at the range, and I flush a few funny. shots, and I say, when are we playing again? I mean, it is so cliche, but it is just that fucking bitch lover that keeps you coming back time in, time out, <laughs> looking for that fix. And, I mean, so is it a good thing? I don't know. Is it a bad thing? I don't know. I mean, I, you get the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows, but... I'll be damned if it isn't something I look forward to every single week of the of the year. Maybe that's the best definition for golf: the ultimate bitch lover. Uh, well, <laughs> Should that be the title of the I episode? Mean, golf, you are my bitch lover. <laughs> I mean, Ev, everybody's. This is the best. It's the greatest game ever created. It's the most challenging, right? So it's 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 most humbling, but it's also the most satisfactory, right? That's unbelievable for yourself personally. You can do it your entire life. And you can do it with people you really like, you know, yeah. and do it together and you can do it for fun or you can do it competitively. I mean, we're talking mostly like, you know, whether it's competitive or just trying to get better. But you mentioned you play golf with somebody and they do too. And they kind of like to do it. You got yeah, the bond. Well, I mean, like I work, you guys know I work in sales, commercial real estate finance, like, I get, I just start, you get derailed with people and you build trust with people and go on a golf course just when, when the word golf comes up. Next thing you know, I'm doing shadow swings, talking about hip rotation as I'm pulling the club down, oh, you dear. know, in the middle of the dining room, wherever. <laughs> but it's true. You know? this is, it's just, you want to just get people off the rails. This is the only sport that does it. It's like that look. It's like, oh, man, you play? Oh, God. Just got a new set. You know, my game's coming. Not great. I mean, Strack, on Monday. Strack just <laughs> got new irons. Oh, you guys got those P seven nineties. 
I mean, they are. Thank God. You want to talk about pretty? Those are pretty. But let me. I have. I have one more question before we get into our segment, and then we'll probably be at time because we've gone a lot longer than we have. Which you know, guys, we're just passionate golfers talking about the game. I mean, but my one question is, I've I've thought about this a lot actually. Is I think that golf gets a little bit of a bad rap where golf is kind of positioned as this elitist, stuck up. Mm game which you know part of it is fair part of it is true it does cost a lot of money it's a inherently white secluded game there's not a lot of diversity in it not a lot of women or it's mostly white guys old white guys playing it um but i will say that based on everything we talked about i don't know if golf gets enough credit for being a game where like you have to fucking struggle i started playing the game competitively when I gave up baseball, when I was 17 years old, the first place I went after my surgeon cleared my arm after a baseball injury, after three months of therapy, I went to the driving range and I never looked back. I never played baseball again, and I played golf from that point forward. And that was at 17 years old, and now I'm 31, and I'm six handicap, And, like, yeah, I want to become scratch, but there's, like, there's no game like it that is so much struggle and so much hard work and therefore so much connection because of that shared, it's basically shared suffering is what it is. And I don't know if golf gets enough credit for that type of commitment of all of the players and the fact that it's human connection for four hours, usually five well, you plus know, look, outside. That, you're right. Like should should know, golf have of less play. of an elitist perception and more of like a like fighting against suffering and challenges? Like, does that make sense? <laughs> well, I don't know if we're superheroes, but you know, because we got <laughs> speak for yourself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it feels like it sometimes, right? When you when you make par from the trees. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I I think I I just don't think people understand it. It's okay not to like it, but. I think there's an ignorance when people just, they've never done it. They've never spent time out there, you know? I don't know. It's amazing what I've found, how many guys, well, maybe it was a little bit of you guys too. When I was in high school and grade school, I used to get, you know, I used to get a little bit fun for playing golf. You know, I mean, I played other sports too, but all those guys, those football players, they're all playing golf now. Yeah. And yep. they're all, Ryan don't the same understand way. Why they, they're not good at it. And they love it. And they play with their brothers or their sisters or their dad it's what they do now because they all can enjoy it at this point in their life and like you got like they got the bug you know so why is these are the guys who said Matt, you know that's for you know you know suck up sissies right so why are they doing it now interesting right uh-huh. very very so this segment is called golfers anonymous so we've talked a lot about the game and the fact that it can be addiction so this is an opportunity for us as addicts to stand up and open up um, Serm is open about not being an addict. Talk about a contrarian. So we'll see. We'll see what he says. Um, uh, but Strat, do you want to open it up? <laughs> sure. Uh, hi, my name is Stratton and, uh, I'm a golf addict. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I guess, How's it uh, feel? The, mo- the mo, well, you know, it, uh, it hurts oh, and it feels good to say it, but uh, I guess the moment I realized it was, uh, when I finished up my bucket of balls at the range once and um, 
I saw about six underneath the range machine, <laughs> and I got down on all four one of my golf clubs to fish out six more balls to hit before I left. So, sure. uh, I mean, if we haven't been there before, then I guess we aren't uh, we aren't playing it right. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm all in. I'm not even uh, I'm not even apologetic about it. So thank you so much for sharing. sharing your yeah, story. thanks for sharing, thank Strat. Thanks for thank sharing. Um, my <laughs> name's Evan. I'm a golf addict. Hi, Evan. And, hi. Um, it's good to be here. Uh, I think the first time. Well, actually, no. I knew this a long time ago, but the re- the, the day hi, that I knew it hi, went. Evan. The day I knew it went the next level was uh when my ex girlfriend said that I have an obsession, and um. Oh. She she didn't quite see the um the the podcast planning and scheduling trips all year long, multiple golf trips, and then not scheduling any trips with her. She didn't really appreciate that. Um, so that that was definitely a moment where I realized, yeah, I definitely have a lot of passion for this. But like I said, um, for me, the the addiction comes from the the most immediate feedback that I think a game can have of mindset to performance. And I see it immediately that when I have the right mindset, I usually have um, the right results. So that combined with being outside and being, you know, in my mind, trying to find the feeling of the zone and also being with friends, I can't get enough of it. And you guys know, I mean, I'm going to Genghis. I'm going again. Our boy, George Genghis, I'm getting squishy, okay? There is nothing that I won't do to try and get closer to that scratch, scratch world. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I have spend a full-on addiction. Spend paycheck on, on an hour lesson. That's and great. Maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm trying to find something that isn't there. Maybe I need to just get yeah, a lesson with Cermak like because Cermak... <laughs> For all you guys out there that don't know his game, apparently the guy sprays it all over the place, but the guy's short game is Phil-esque, okay? okay? And maybe I need to just get a short game lesson from Mr. Cermak because this guy well, can was, get up and down from it'd anywhere. Lot, it'd be a lot cheaper, you know, for oh, lunch, for well, sure. okay. That's uh-huh. fair. Well, I mean, I've, I mean, you know, hi, my name is Matt. I'm a recovering addict. Oh. Um, <laughs> hi, Matt. <laughs> hey, Matt. Thanks for being here. Um, I grew up playing golf for 22 years of my life. It was all I knew. It's what I did. Kind of took it was like a job. And later in my life, I, I don't play as much golf as I'd like to. Um, but I think about the game differently. I have advice to the addicts, Evan and Stratton. And my advice would be to you, because I think sometimes you drive yourselves crazy. And my advice to you guys would be to work on your short game more. Oh, Oh, is that your advice? You guys wow. spend way too much. I, I'm going to give you some, as a recovering addict, I want to give you some advice. I spent way too much time <laughs> on the range thinking about my mechanic and thinking about trying to find a perfect swing. Swing your swing. Think about the fundamentals. But it's 80% of your practice should be short game and 20, 20% should be longer. I mean, so, worst thing. Quit balls. Okay. And just start chipping, hitting bunker shots. 100 yards in, so the game's won. So if you you're know, a covering addict, that's my advice to you guys, and I thank you for letting me be here and talk with you guys. <laughs> you know what? I Thank you. Thank you for sharing, Matt. Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate you. you being here. 
the last thing I'll ask you before we get out of here is um, I think a lot of people say that. We've heard it a million times, but I don't know if a lot of people know the how. I know we know the what, but I don't think people understand the how. How do you practice the short game? What should you work on? How, a lot of times you're out there practicing the wrong things. Do you have a yeah. like a minute synopsis on like actually how to do that? You have to have a plan, right? Oh. So, you know, if you're on a chipping green, if right, so you can hit chips, pitches, and bunkers, right? Well, you need to use all your different clubs, too. So when you're chipping, you should work with your 9-iron pitching wedge, sand wedge, gap wedge, right? When you're in your bunkers, when you're in your bunker, you should work on short bunker shots. You should work on long bunker shots. When you're pitching, you should work on, you know, pitching with your arms and pitching with your hands and hitting flop shots, oh. right? You got to think about these things, right? So when you're hitting 80 to 100 yard shots, you should hit some full shots. We're going to try to take it, you know, spin it, take it behind the pin, spin it back. You should hit some dead arm shots, three quarters where two bounces stop. Oh. Right? I mean, that's an hour right there, right? <laughs> you know? So that's true. Forget, forget just getting a bucket of balls and hitting off. Just hitting shots to make you feel good from the same lie every time and fixing your lie off your dinner. That's not real. You know, your guys' swings are good. Don't try to be something you're not. Short game. I mean, how many shots do we lose around the green, guys? How many shots <laughs> do we lose around the green? Chip ins that I had off, have from off the green. You had four or five. I remember the story. You were telling us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're not wrong, sir. Yeah. I mean, two strokes around, two strokes around. Find it around the greens, guys, because you will. But if you don't practice it, you're searching for something that's a little more unknown. I mean, I don't want to ask people to thank us, but I'm pretty sure everybody's feeling pretty inspired right now. Am I right? You're welcome. That's all I'll say. <laughs> all right, Strat, I'd like to Strat's thank everybody for letting me be here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that's it. I mean, what a conversation. You guys have anything else you want to say before we, uh, before we close out? Just can't wait for the next round. Oh. <laughs> Okay, Strat's already feeling the extra term. <laughs> I'm still recovering um, as an addict, but I think there's a chance I could still become an addict again. Because Trying to find that healthy balance. <laughs> okay, the, the addiction is on, on the horizon for Serm. All right, good to know. The, addiction's, the addiction is growing. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, uh, congrats again to our boy Keith. We'll be having him on soon. Wow. And in the meantime... Go out there and enjoy it. Embrace it. And work on that short game. And work on that short game. 80% of it. Not rocket science, guys. Not rocket science. You heard it here first. All right. (laughs) We're out of here. Enjoy. (laughs)